Well, we're in a teaching series called The Frontline Family because what we're seeing in our society is that the family unit, as God has designed it, is under attack. We are seeing the radical redefinition of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a husband and a wife, a father and a mother. And, and the attacks on what we are designed to live out are first and foremost experienced in our homes. You've heard me say before, and I'll say it again, that Bell Shoals is really a family of families. And, and therefore we understand that as the enemy is working in our world and as the enemy is attacking us as a faith family, really that, 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 that front line is in our homes. It's in our individual families. And therefore we're talking about God's design for manhood and womanhood, his design for husbands and wives, his design for fathers and mothers. And what we're, what, what we're pushing back against today is, is, is the radical redefinition of what it means to carry out God's design in the home. We're thinking through what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a family that's fulfilled in our faith as we carry out God's design. I, I believe that, 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 that this is of critical importance for us to lean in to how God has made us, to the roles that he's assigned to us. And so last week we talked about manhood. We talked about the fact that, that men are tasked with the responsibility to provide, protect, and direct their families. We talked about the, the urgency and the importance of men leading as men, lovingly, graciously, sacrificially, but yet firmly with leadership and conviction, not making excuses, right? Not, not, not shying away from our responsibility to provide, to protect, and to direct. And today we're going to talk about womanhood. We're going to talk about God's design for women. And I'm so excited to share with you all that I have learned about what it means to be a woman after 24 years of marriage. And so let's pray and we'll have our closing song. And um, I want to thank you for being here today. <laughs> well, thankfully, God has laid out very clearly in his word, not only what it means to be a man, but what it means to be a woman. And again, in our society, we're seeing the erosion of these roles and, and of the beauty, really, of God's design for both men and women. And so, ladies, let, let, me, let me just kind of start this morning by highlighting two false narratives in our culture. All right, I want to give you two ideas that have surfaced in our society over the past 10 or 15 years that are very dangerous and that, and that lead you away from God's design for you. We have to identify how the enemy is working. First of all, he's working in such a way that we are now being told that true womanhood is autonomy and independence and that the greatest priority for a woman is not family, but it's largely fulfilling the role that God has assigned to the husband. 
There, there's been a push over the past 10, 15, 20 years where, where true womanhood is defined more in terms of autonomy and independence. The greatest priority for a woman is career and financial freedom, even in the context of marriage. What we've seen is that marriage and children, therefore, are viewed largely as inconveniences and hindrances to what's most important and fulfilling, to the greatest priority you should have. In fact, this ideology is so prevalent that we now live in a day and a time that we have the slowest growth rate in terms of our population in a hundred years. Because there are many women now believing that marriage and family, children are inconveniences and hindrances to what's most important. Not that having a career is wrong, not that working hard is not important, not that education is a bad thing, that's not the point. The point is a matter of priority. And what we're being told today for women is that if your greatest priority is your career, your financial freedom, your autonomy, your independence, then, then you will be fulfilled. And we're seeing true womanhood, therefore, is about autonomy, independence, marriage and children are just hindrances to these most important Qualities. In fact, the New York Times published an article just last year that talked about the shrinking population due to how marriage and family are viewed among women. Here's a piece of what that article said, quote, over the past decade, as more women of all social classes have prioritized education and career, there it is, about priority, Delaying childbearing has become a broad pattern among American women almost everywhere. The result has been the slowest growth of the American population since the 1930s and a profound change in American motherhood. Women under 30 have become much less likely to have children. And since 2007, the birth rate for women in their 20s has fallen by nearly 30%. The only age groups in which birth rates rose over that period were women in their 30s and 40s, but even those began to decline over the past three years. This New York Times article goes on to state that women are delaying motherhood or refusing it altogether because, here's what it said, this might be a newsflash to some of you. Children are expensive and difficult. <laughs> newsflash, right? And so here's the pressure of the enemy, ladies, that in order for your life to have ultimate meaning, purpose, and fulfillment, you have to fulfill the role that God has assigned to your husband. He said, now where did our society come up with this? Well, actually, there's nothing new under the sun. This has been the burden that many women have struggled with, oh, for 6,000 years or so, ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Because if you remember, God said to Eve, as a consequence of her sin, now we talked about Adam's failure last week to lead and to protect, right? But, but we see the consequence for the woman's disobedience in this way. God says to Eve, your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. In other words, here's what the Lord's saying. Your desire is going to be to usurp your husband, to stand in place of him to belittle him and to assume the burden of responsibility that God has assigned to him. 
That word desire there is used negatively. It's the same word used of Cain before he murdered his brother Abel. And the Lord says, sin's desire is for you. The same word is used for Eve. Your desire will be for your husband. Not a good desire, an evil desire. To be in his place, to have his responsibilities. Your desire will be to usurp his role in leadership but he will rule over you. There's a built-in tension. Husband and wife not always getting along, not always agreeing. The wife oftentimes leaning into this desire to usurp the husband. The husband responding in kind by being angry, overbearing, selfish, right? There, There are these tensions in every relationship. Why? Because of sin. We're broken people in broken relationships. And here's where our society is headed. Here's where the battle is raging in our homes, whereby women are now told you will only have true meaning, purpose, and fulfillment as you usurp the role of your husband, as you prioritize provision, protection, direction yourself. And therefore, you prioritize those things above everything else and If children get in the way of that, you don't have children. If marriage gets in the way of that, you don't get married. And this autonomy and independence has been promoted as the key toward fulfillment and purpose. And um, I, I just want you to understand this narrative and that ultimately it's a false narrative for this reason, ladies. Anything worth doing in life that really matters, anything that really makes a difference, is gonna be hard. It's gonna require sacrifice. It's going to come at a cost. It's going to require effort. I mean, anything you wanna do in life, you wanna make a difference in this world, here's how that's gonna happen. You're gonna have to sacrifice something. You're gonna have to work hard. You're gonna have to endure difficulty, criticism, right? You're gonna have to lay something out on the line. You're never gonna accomplish anything meaningful in life without cost, sacrifice, hard work, effort. And so when it comes to parenting, yes, children ruin our lives. There is a cost. There's a sacrifice. It's a game changer. That's why people with friends don't have a lot of time for people. Did I say friends? People with children don't have a lot of friendships with other people that don't have children, right? It changes the game. Like I used to have all these friends. We used to go around every weekend doing this, that, and the other. And now I have no friends, just kids. <laughs> yeah, join the club, man. It's a game changer. People say to me sometimes like, I don't know why I used to have all these friends. And I, yeah, yeah. It's called babies. And it's a game changer. And yeah, there's a cost. And yeah, there's a sacrifice. Hello, can, can we just reiterate that? Listen, anything in life worth doing is going to involve a cost. It's going to involve sacrifice. It's going to involve a lot of time. You're not going to make a difference in this world without putting something on the line, laying something out on the line. And, and so this notion that, well, the greatest priority for a woman is to largely operate in the role of a man, autonomy, independence, neglecting what it means to be a wife or a mother. This is a red herring. It doesn't work. By the way, we talked last week about men not having an autonomy and independence that's harmful to their families either. It's, it's all foolishness. 
But it's a false narrative that's there. I have no doubt that many of you are feeling that. You're sensing that. You're thinking, you know what? I, I don't, I don't want to wade into the waters of parenting. You, maybe you view children negatively. You see marriage negatively. And you're just, you're kind of caught up in this cycle on the front line of where our culture is leading us to, to devalue what it means to be a woman, a wife, a mother. All right, that, that, that's a false narrative. Second false narrative, okay, I touched on this last week, but let me just reiterate it for those of you who weren't here. There's a false narrative that says there's really no difference between men and women. Gender is a construct that is fluid and they should largely therefore be viewed as the same. You can identify as a man or a woman. We have parents now who refuse to identify their children as boys or girls saying, well, we'll let our children decide when they get old enough. This is the world we're in. And, and so we, we have to maintain that no, men are men, women are women, gender means something, right? And if we fail to lean into how we're put together as men and women, then we'll never realize our greatest purpose. And, and so we talked last week about men being men. And this week we're gonna talk about women being women and how God has made both men and women to complement each other and thus experience greater meaning, greater purpose, greater fulfillment, okay? And so ladies, I've got four takeaways about what it means to be a woman. This is God's design for you. My goal is to encourage you, to inspire you, to affirm you, these, these four takeaways really are, uh, are embedded not only in our DNA, but, it, but in the fabric of the world in which we live. This is God's design. All right, so first of all, make a note of this. I want you to see that women are equal in essence, yet different by design. All right, now this is huge. Women are equal in essence, but different by design. So we're maintaining opposite of our culture that no, it means something to be a man and it means something to be a woman. We're not all the same. You can't just identify as whatever you want to identify as. To do so is to run against the grain of literally how you are put together, either as a man or as a woman. We are different by design, but equal in essence. And so there is no distinction in importance, significance, value, worth. Both men and women have equal standing before the Lord. Both of us are made in his image. Both of us are equally significant. There is no distinction there. There's only a distinction in terms of Role. We're designed to be different, but yet we're equal in essence. Okay, let me take you back to where we started last week, Genesis 1:26, just to remind you of this foundational principle. Okay, God said, Let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, the creatures that crawl on the earth. So, again, there's something different about mankind. Okay, these crazies in the world today that say, No, all living things are equal, and we should see mankind the same as we see the animal world. This is nonsense. There is something distinctly different about mankind that sets us apart from all the other created beings. Human life is the most precious life on earth, okay? Because human life bears the image of God as men and women. We bear it equally. There's no first class, second class citizen in the kingdom of God. Both men and women are equal in essence, equal in value. Genesis 1:27 reinforces this when it talks about God's creation, right? He created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, we are created, how? Male and female. So we are equal in essence, but different by design. Created in the image of God, 
assigned dominion collectively over the rest of the created order, but yet different in that one is male, one is female. And so I want to remind you that manhood and womanhood are tied to substantive biology, not subjective identity. You can say you identify as a man or a woman all day long. If you are a biological male, you are a man. If you're a biological female, you are a woman. It's hardwired in your DNA. I told you last week that literally every cell in your body, every strand of your DNA speaks to whether or not you are a male or a female. In the 23rd chromosome, in every cell in your body, if you are a woman, there are two X's. If you are a man, there's an X and a Y. That's hardwired in you. I, I, I told you last week, if, if, if someone were to exhume your remains 100 years after your death, we would know immediately whether or not you were a male or a female. Men and women have the same significance, but we have a different design. It's hardwired in our DNA. It's hardwired in every cell in our body. And it's seen in numerous biological differences. Last week, we talked about the fact that men's brains are bigger, (laughs) but women use theirs more. (laughs) The way the hemispheres work and talk to each other, it's different, right? We talked about differences in biology. Let me highlight a few more differences, okay? We, we, we've seen over the past years with COVID, actually secular experts telling us that just the way our immune systems work is different as men and women. A University of Southern California professor wrote concerning the health risk for men and women with COVID, quote, it is likely that true biological differences between men and women, especially in the immune system, may underlie the differences in relative risk. Indeed, accumulating research suggests that there are fundamental differences in male and female immune systems, which arise from genetic or hormonal influences. Our brains are different, immune systems different. Our skeletal systems different. Check this out. Men typically have bigger and stronger bones in terms of size and density. Men have bigger heads to accommodate their large and superior brains. (laughs) Men typically have longer arms and legs. Check this out. You can check this right now. Men typically have a longer ring finger while women typically have a longer index finger. Go ahead, check it right now, see. Ring finger's long, right? This is pretty cool. Women have longer torsos. Their skeleton accommodates extra reproductive organs with space to reorganize during pregnancy. That's pretty cool. Different. Men and women, equal in essence, but different by design. Listen to me carefully. This attack on manhood and woman in our society that says your manhood or your womanhood is tied to subjective identity, not substantive biology, is madness. It means something that you are a biological male or a biological female. But ladies, I want you to hear this. As a biological female, you have equal value as men. 
both made in the image of God. Equal in essence, different by design. Secondly, make a note of this, okay? I'm going to speak to what I've already highlighted here with respect to just the undertones in our society. Motherhood is a privilege and a blessing. Something uniquely given to women. Now, let me give you a caveat here. I understand that some of you are called to singleness, and that is totally okay. Some of you do not have children. Maybe you cannot have children biologically and you're moving through adoption. That's okay. I'm not saying that you have to be a mother to have significance and value. Not at all. You have that significance and value because you're created by a God whose image you bear. He loves you, so do we. There's no distinction among women with those who can have children or can't have children or single or married. That's not the point, okay? My point is simply in speaking to motherhood to present a compelling case as to why the foolishness of our society is wreaking so much havoc on so many women who are mothers. Because here's what's happening in our society. For those who have children, those who want to have children, those who plan to be married or are married, listen to me very, very carefully, ladies. Our society has undercut and undervalued what it looks like to be a mother. The idea that a woman would have greater priority for motherhood than career, not that having a career is bad or wrong, it's just the fact that our society is pushing so many women toward identity and fulfillment through the lens of, okay, I'm going to prioritize, right, my own autonomy, my own independence, my own career, my own freedom over and above my marriage and family. This is hugely problematic. And what it's led to are many women feeling like they're second-class citizens if they focus on their husbands and their children. I think this is tragic. Because motherhood is not a burden and an inconvenience. It is a privilege and a blessing. And I want to say to every single one of you women with us today who are mothers, who plan to be mothers, that you desire a good thing. I want to say to those of you who do sacrifice, to prioritize your family, it's worth it. This spiritual attack on our family seeking to reduce motherhood is incredibly dangerous. And it's robbing many women of the fulfillment that they could have by carrying out God's design in their lives. Ladies, can I, can I just... Can I just lean into this privilege for a moment? I mean, the privilege of motherhood. You carry life. You give life to a child in your womb for nine months. This is an amazing thing. I look back to when my wife and I were pregnant, when we were pregnant. <laughs> And when I say we, I understand the part that I played in the pregnancy. That's a different sermon, okay, for a different day. <laughs> so I understand that she was pregnant. And the we 
was fun for me because I just got to observe and kind of just be a part of like the privilege that she had. And yeah, that comes with some inconvenience and you know, you get to a point, at least she did, you're like, I just wanna have this baby, right? And, and it's okay, but like, oh my goodness, like I just think of the times when I, I would lay my ear on her belly and just listen to the heartbeats of my children and feel the kicks and the punches, right? And the temper tantrums that were being thrown in utero, you know, as a foreshadowing of what was to come. And I just, I remember those days with fondness. And ladies, you give life to your children, literally. God has given you that gift, right? He's made your bodies, designed your bodies, designed your skeletal structure in such a way that you carry life in your womb. You give life to your children. It's an amazing thing. Those of you who aren't there yet, it's awesome. I'm just telling you. To listen to the heartbeat of your child in the womb of your wife, it is awesome. Ladies, that's a privilege. That's incredible. You give birth, you give life, you sustain life. You nourish your children, you feed them, right? You oversee them, you ensure they're healthy and cared for and provided for. You teach them to read, you discipline them, you have hard conversations with them. You're instrumental in the lives of these children. This is a great privilege. I mean, can you imagine a world with no mothers, only fathers? Like a world in which like storks just come and randomly drop children off in homes? Let's make no mistake about it, okay? That would be a really fun world. Right, guys? It would be fun. It would be Captain Crunch with crunch berries in the morning, leftover pizza for lunch, and Chick-fil-A for dinner. It would be barbecues and football and wrestling and all kinds. It would be fun, but there would not be a human being taller than four foot eight due to malnourishment. Our children would have two sets of clothing and they would all be wrinkled, right? Here's the thing, we wouldn't be able to find anything in our homes. Our kids are like, Dad, where's my second pair of underwear? I don't know. Ask your mother. I don't know. Never mind, son. I'll just order another pair off Amazon. <laughs> right? We wouldn't be able to find anything. Can you imagine a world? No mothers. And listen, children need fathers. We talked about this last week, man. To provide, to protect, and to direct to keep the devil out of our corner of the garden. We have a responsibility to lead through love, service, and sacrifice. But ladies, you are equal in essence, different by design. And for those of you who are called to marriage, called to motherhood, aspire to that in the future, listen to me very, very carefully. Don't pay a bit of attention to the nonsense in our society that seeks to devalue what you are doing. The world needs mothers. And you, you have the privilege and the blessing of nourishing life. You play an instrumental role in the lives of your children and your family. And let me say something very, very clearly. The current presidential administration has removed the word mother from their official documents related to family and replace the word mother with birthing persons. And I just wanna say this, and I don't care who I offend, 
The world has no birthing persons, only mothers. Enough is enough. Mothers. The world has mothers. The world needs mothers. Ladies, if you are a mother, call to that, aspire to that. It's a great thing. You're not a second-class citizen because you sacrifice where you could be in your career so that you can be effective as a wife or a mother. In fact, you're fulfilling God's design and you're leaving a legacy that will outlast you. I would tell you it's worth it. And what the world needs are not more birthing persons. We need mothers and motherhood is a privilege and a blessing. Listen, the scriptures affirm this. Let me just give you a few scriptures. This is hugely important. Let me give you a few scriptures. I hope to encourage you with this. Proverbs 31, 28, look at this. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. There's a whole section of the Proverbs just reserved for those who have the privilege of motherhood. And I just want you to see right here toward the end of this section, notice what she's fulfilling the role. We're going to talk about some of this briefly, but look, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. They say many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Now, here's the trick. Here's the difficulty here. Listen, some of you are in this phase of life right now, right, where you're raising your children. You're, you're leaning into motherhood. You feel that burden, that pressure of our society telling you you're a second-class citizen. And if you would sacrifice family on the altar of career, then you would be more satisfied and you'd be more fulfilled. And some of you maybe feel like you're not enough, not doing enough, right? And, and again, nothing wrong with having a career, nothing wrong with working outside the home as a mother. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm just saying there is something wrong with making those things a greater priority than marriage and motherhood for those of you who are married and blessed to be mothers, right? And that's the problem. It's a matter of priority. And, and I just want you to see here, when you're leaning into God's design, there, there, is, there is so much to celebrate, even children and husbands celebrating together, rising up, saying, you are so, so awesome, incredible, affirmed. But here, here's the trick, ladies. I understand this. Here's the trick. This This dynamic is often not experienced until later in life. Because some of you, if you were were writing Proverbs 31, 28, you would say this, her children throw themselves on the floor and kick and scream. (laughs) Because you know what? Parenting is like farming. You sow a lot of seed before you ever reap a harvest. And you know what I think makes parenting so difficult? The duration. Because moms, you're sowing a lot of seed right now through the toddler years, adolescence, teenage years. It's not harvest time yet. And I don't know about you, but when you're sowing seed for 5, 10, 15 years and not yet harvesting, man, that's really, really difficult. That gets weary. But here's, here's my promise to you. There is a day of harvest coming. And it may be when your kids are 18, 20, 22, 25, but listen to me. You lean into God's design, you prioritize that which is most important for you in terms of God, marriage, children. You you, you refute this nonsense that you're just a birthing person and that there are other things of greater importance for you. And here's what's gonna come in your life. There's a day of harvest when your children rise up and call you blessed. 
when your children say to you, I would not be who I am today, mom, without you. And that's a good day. Because for every single one of us in this room, we have to ask, what is our legacy going to be? And I think God's design is crystal clear that for every single one of us, our greatest legacy is our family. I understand for me, there's coming a day in, I don't know, 50 years when no one talks about Corey Abney as the pastor of Bell Shoals. But I hope I have some great grandchildren around who love the Lord and who are carrying on a legacy of faith. What about you? And moms, if you buy into the lie that our culture is selling you that you can have meaning and purpose and fulfillment apart from this design that God has for you in terms of marriage and family, then you're gonna shortchange yourself this, this harvest season of your children rising up and calling you blessed. And that day is coming. I know it's hard now. Maybe those of you with small children, you're like, oh my goodness, this is so hard. It is, it can be lonely. Maybe you feel isolated. You're struggling in some way with discouragement. I, it is, it's hard, especially in those early years. You feel like you don't have very many friends and you can't do very much maybe. And there's just a lot you're juggling. I just want you to hear me say it's worth it because here's what else the scripture says in Proverbs 17, six, all right? Here's the harvest, okay? The Hebrew word for harvest is grand grandchildren. Okay, not really, but just practically, okay? Here's what the scripture says. Grandchildren are the crown of the elderly. You don't have to be elderly to have grandchildren. That word offends me. Okay, but a day is coming when, when you have this joy, this fulfillment in your family and, and the day is coming, the harvest is coming. Hang in there, it's worth it. Anything worth doing is hard at times. It involves sacrifice. And, and moms, I just want you to understand that you're not, again, you're not a birthing person, you're a mother and, and the role that you play is vital. It's God-given. It's a part of his design, equal in essence, but different not only in how you're biologically put together as a woman, but different in terms of the role that you fulfill. And therefore, all of you who are called to be wives and mothers and gifted in that way and blessed in that way. Just, I just want you to hear me celebrating this today. Motherhood is a blessing and a privilege, not a burden and an inconvenience. And that's why the apostle Paul in Titus 2 says this. To those of you who are older moms, you've got some grandchildren, right? You're, you're, you're into harvest season. Man, you know the blessing now of having your family you're growing and thriving. You, boy, you, you kind of lived through those hard years. Listen to me, here's what Paul says. In the same way, older women should be reverent, not slanders, not slaves, excessive drinking. But look what he says here. He says, they should teach what is good so that, watch this, they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and love their children. Older, those of you who are older ladies here, you, again, you're in the harvest season. Why does Paul say to you, would you encourage the younger women in your life to love their husbands and to love their children. Why does he say that? You know why? Because marriage is hard. Parenting is hard. And for those mothers who are with us today who are hearing from, from their culture that, that, that they're second-class citizens and that sacrificing for their children and their families is wrong and they should be sacrificing not for their children, but they should be sacrificing their children and family so that they can advance themselves in some other arena of life. You know what? They need encouragement from those of you who have been there and those of you who have crossed the finish line of launching your children out who have now the blessing of grandchildren and a family that's faithful and Fulfilled. They need to hear from you. Keep going. It's worth it. 
Paul says they need this encouragement because it's hard. Hey, men, husbands, would you just lean over to your wife right now? And when you just whisper in her ear, hey, honey, I know I'm hard to live with. Would you just do that right now? Tell her right now, tell her, I know I'm hard to live with. Listen, she already knows it. Marriage is hard. Parenting is hard. It's lonely at times, discouraging at times, weary at times. That's why Paul says, hey, those of you who've been there, you've crossed the finish line, you're in that harvest season, encourage, ladies, encourage the younger women around you to love their husbands and love their children. Why does Paul say to encourage them to love their children? Because there are days where you feel like, hmm, You might put your children on the next rocket to Mars, right? You're like, I don't know if it's worth Encourage them to love their husbands, love their children. Ladies, just hear me on this. Moms, motherhood is a privilege. It's a blessing. You should feel really, really good about being a mom. It's the most important work in the world. Don't listen to our culture. Don't listen to this madness and craziness. You're not a birthing person. You're a mother, and we need you. We need you on the front lines. All right? Third, quickly here. All right? Just, just make a note of this. I just want you to see, as a mother, right, motherhood involves, write this down, strategic management and dynamic leadership. Quickly here. I'm not going to spend long here. I just want you to see, ladies, that, again, our culture makes it seem like, well, if you're a mom, I mean, you don't do anything. You just sit around and change diaper. No, no, no. Uh-uh. You're going to be a mom? It's going to involve strategic management and dynamic leadership. Again, going back to the very beginning, both Adam and Eve as man and woman, husband and wife, were told to exercise dominion over what God made. Both of them. Not only are they to be fruitful and multiply, but they're to, they're, they're to subdue the earth, right? And so here, here's the thing. Ladies, being a mom, being a wife, right? Those of you called to that, not everyone is, but for those of you who are, this involves strategic management and dynamic leadership. Don't let your culture around you devalue what you do, either as a mom, a wife, as one who's managing the home. Again, if you're working outside the home or working exclusively in the home, you're working. And, and I just want to see, you prioritize your family, you prioritize your marriage, you prioritize your children, even with a career. And that involves a lot of strategic management and a lot of dynamic leadership. And this is not just passivity. This is not laziness. The, the fact that our culture seeks to devalue motherhood in this way is just nuts. Well, look at what the Proverbs say here. Quick, look, look at this. Proverbs 31, 27. She watches over the activities of her household and she is never idle. She, verse 16, she, watches this, evaluates a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. She's buying, she's trading, she's selling, she's managing, she's active. She's a hard worker. She's sharp with the finances. She's involved in the business affairs of her family. This is not, okay, she's just wearing an apron, cooking and cleaning and changing diapers all day kind of thing. This is craziness. What our society has tried to reduce motherhood as. Let me tell you what it actually is. It's a role that is essential, necessary, blessed by God, consistent with how he's made you, designed you, and it always involves strategic management and dynamic leadership. Again, this is not what my husband, you know, he, he does everything and I don't do anything. No, 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 no. The man and the woman working together to complement each other and to fulfill God's design. The husband and the father bears the greater responsibility to provide, to protect, and direct through sacrificial love 
in service. And the woman has the privilege to manage strategically and to show dynamic leadership in the home, to come alongside of the husband, to buy, to sell, to make strategic decisions, to lead the children, to lead the family. They're, they're doing it together. And the end result is that both the husband and the wife flourish in this. Let me show you one more scripture here. I love this. Look at this. This might seem odd. This is in a section of the Bible talking about like the godly wife and mother. Her husband is known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. Why is that in there? I'll tell you why it's in there. He couldn't do what he does without the leadership of his wife. A win for her is a win for him. A win for him is a win for her. They're doing it together. This is in the section about the wife. This isn't about him, it's about her. Her husband, she, she's so diligent in what she does. She's so good at what she manages. She shows leadership in her capacities and her role to the extent that he is freed up to fulfill his role. And he's known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. They work together, they complement each other. Let me, can I just say it this way? Let me just make it very, very simple and personal, okay? I could not do what I do with the, the outstanding management and leadership of my precious wife. And anytime you look around and you see something good happening at Bell Shoals, any of it that you may be inclined to give me credit for, let me just tell you right now, there's a greater credit that goes to my wife because I couldn't do it without her. The burden I bear, the travel that I undergo, the responsibilities I have, the time away, couldn't do it without her dynamic management and strategic leadership. And that is true of every family where there's a husband and a father who is fulfilling his role. And if we were to take a survey today of the husbands and the fathers in the room to say, hey, what's the number one thing that frees you up, that enables you, encourages you to fulfill your role? I can tell you what the answer would be, the partnership of our wives. And Bell Shoals would not be who we are today without the incredible leadership of some very godly, wise, courageous men. And we would not be who we are today without the leadership, involvement, and engagement of some incredibly wise, godly, dynamic women. God designing us to work together, to complement each other so that she's a manager, she's a leader and she's freeing up her husband to fulfill his role. When the husband excels, the wife excels. The wife excels, the husband excels. They excel together. This is God's design. And then lastly then, here's the thing. Her beauty, right? Ladies, your beauty and your dignity are tied to your internal faith, not your external features. So notice the progression. We're equal in essence, different by design, and that design as it relates specifically to kind of where we're under attack today, where we're on the front lines with motherhood. It's, it's hey, what is motherhood? It's a privilege, it's a blessing, it's needed. It involves strategic management, dynamic leadership. This is not you just sit back and, you know, drop the kids off at school and go to the spa all day. Okay, this is, this is needed. This is leadership. This is strategic management. And, and then lastly, as we look at identity, then it's, it's about a true beauty and a true dignity because women are dignified and they are distinguished in God's economy, right? By God's design. But it's tied to this beauty and this dignity, ladies. Listen to me, it's tied to your faith, not your features. 
Well, let me show you what the Proverbs say as we close our service today. Look, look at this. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. And I would add it's more fleeting the older you get. <laughs> you know one thing my kids love to do? Look at old pictures of me and make fun of me. <laughs> wow, Dad, you used to look like that? Hey, shut up and go to your room, okay? Not that you should ever say that word. Okay, all right, here we go. All right, so, <laughs> see, I have a lot to apologize for. All the time. Okay, so, yeah, beauty is fleeting. <laughs> yeah, it's fleeting. And charm is deceptive. But a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. And let me tell you about that woman finally. Ladies, look at this, lean into this. Okay, verse 30, or verse 25. Strength and honor are her clothing. And she can laugh at the days to come. I know many of you are discouraged. Many of you are frustrated. Many of you, you're doing the very best you can. And sometimes you just feel like that's not enough. Many of you, you're hearing, you're hearing the, the voices of our society, which are seeking to reduce your role, to belittle your influence. Some of you are single moms and man, you're carrying the weight of the world on you. You're doing your very, very best. I just want you to hear me. Your value and your worth, ladies, is not tied to your external appearance. It's not tied to something our culture assigns to you. Your worth and your value are tied to your creator who made you in his image, who gifted you with incredible gifts, who has assigned a beautiful role to you and who loves you fiercely and fully right now, who is faithful to the end and who is with you in every circumstance. And if you will lean in more to the voice of your father and the design that he's given you and the responsibilities that he's entrusted you and the beauty and the blessing of what only you can bring to your family, then listen to me, you can laugh at the days to come. You don't have to be overwhelmed by fear and anxiety and worry. You can know that, no, my Father who made me, gifted me, my Father who's with me, even when others wrong me, even when I'm in a difficult season, my Father is with me and I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know that He's already there and so I can laugh at the days to come. And that's the hope that you have. And that's the promise of your faithful Father.